what we noticed was the most successful customers were the ones that were very sort of quantitative about it, but they were interested in what happened after the ad. And specifically, mobile gaming companies were very focused on, okay, they downloaded the app, which was the goal, but actually what happens after three days, what happens after 10 days, what, after, what happens after 30 days? And so they would be tracking what is effectively a profit per customer or a customer lifetime value. They were very successful. That means that you can typically spend a lot more to acquire someone. It's just a fundamental metric to run your business. And so when I exited Media Gamma, this principle of tying the advertising to the retail side of what happens after the ad was very appealing. Hello and welcome to the Ecom Ops Podcast. We believe that there is more than enough content focused on e-commerce marketing and not enough content celebrating the real heroes of e-commerce, those running the operation. Each week, we find and interview an e-commerce operations expert to share the secrets behind how some of this industry's most exciting businesses are run. I'm your host, Norbert Strappler, the CEO of SingSpider. Hello and welcome to another Ecom Ops podcast. Today I'm talking to Rael, um, who has a very cool uh, SaaS application called Noozle. <laughs> Is this right? Noozle? Uh, probably closer to Nozzle, Nozzle but uh, Nozzle. We'll, we'll Nozzle. respond to both. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. <laughs> You're here. I'm, I'm not from the US, so. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Um, so, and, and, and it's cool because um, it's it's an e-commerce uh, platform and it is um, about Amazon. Yeah. And Rael, please tell us a bit more about that. What what exactly are you doing and what can people do with with um, uh, Nozzle? <laughs> cool. Um, yeah. Well, firstly, thanks thanks very much for having me. It's great to yeah, be here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Nozzle is focused on helping um, if essentially Amazon sellers grow their business, and we we do this in a very uh, I guess, unique way. Um, our starting point is to really understand the customers on Amazon. Who's buying from you? Um, how often are they buying? What are they buying? And really using that as a starting point to understand how to build a brand uh, on Amazon, right? Like our view is, um, you know, Amazon has a lot of tools around understanding information about your products, uh, a lot of tools around managing, you know, advertising campaigns or market share and organic rankings. But really, an e-commerce business ultimately is about the customers that buy your products, right? And trying to build a brand and the loyalty that goes with that. And for us, there's a very big gap in the market. Um, and so Nozzle really helps sellers understand um, what their customers are doing and how to tailor, what actions to take, how to tailor your ad campaigns, for instance, uh, to better target them or to get them to buy again. Um, and, and you know how to make you uh, understand the trade-offs of what, what products you should be prioritizing, which have... Uh, the best growth potential based on repeat orders and you know things like that. So that's the area that we're we're focused on. Yeah, and I know the Amazon backend um, a bit, and right. um, for sure you cannot do these things in Amazon. Um, and even if you could do it, they would look ugly. So um... <laughs> yeah, the data on Amazon, um, yeah, you know, sort of wrestling a lot with the with the APIs is quite tough. Um, you, you know, we've obviously spent a whole lot of time trying to understand them. Uh, and join the data sets together to build up a full picture. Um, it, it helps if you're learning, uh, if you're using a bit of you know data science in the process to help you with that as well. Yeah, nice. Well, um, how did you get into e-commerce? What what was the reason why you swept over to such a yeah? <laughs> 
interesting space. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, it was kind of off the back of my previous company, Media Gamma. So Media Gamma um, was very focused on online advertising and yep. specifically around, now this sounds very niche, but specifically around building custom algorithms for, for online advertisers oh, and, cool. and online publishers. So, you know, what goes on behind the scenes is a live real-time auction, right? When somebody lands on the page, a uh, whole lot of bidders submit a, a bid, a whole lot of buyers submit a bid uh, in an auction. The winner gets chosen and the ad gets shown to someone. Um, and, and really, um, you know, you have to make a decision from a sort of machine learning data science point of view, what price to submit. And this was the previous business. And what we noticed was the most successful customers were the ones that um, were very sort of quantitative about it, but they were interested in what happened after, um, you know, after the ad. And, and, and specifically mobile gaming companies were very focused on, okay, they, they downloaded the app, which was the goal, but actually what happens after three days, what happens after 10 days, what, after, what happens after 30 days? And so they would be tracking what is effectively a profit per customer or a customer lifetime value. Mm-hmm. You know, they were very successful. Um, that, that means that you can typically spend a lot more to acquire someone. It's just a fundamental metric to, to run your business. And so when, when I exited uh, Media Gamma, um, you know, this principle of tying the advertising to the retail side of what happens after the ad um, was very appealing. I'd seen it work really, really well. And then, um, you know, you sort of think about who's uniquely placed to do this, who runs an ecosystem that has both the, a very big and growing ad business um, and has got the retail data sets uh, to join together to, to you know, get the full picture. And you very quickly land on Amazon um, and obviously growing sort of up and to the right very, very quickly. And you know, as I say, nobody else is sort of focused on trying to tie those two data sets together um, and figure out what happens after that first purchase and specifically what does it mean for my advertising strategy and tactics. And so um, that's kind of the genesis of what led to, to Nozzle. That's cool. Um, Nozzle was originally developed by uh, Media Gamma, right? So uh, it was part of the company or? Uh, um, well, we had, we had sold Media Gamma and then, and then started Nozzle. Right? And then so, started Nozzle. Yeah, okay, yeah, got yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was uh, distinct. Cool. Um, so is Nozzle something that you could also extend to other e-commerce solutions or is it tied to Amazon? Is it something that you could pack into a Shopify or an eBay. Okay. Yeah, so um, you know, at the moment we're we're currently just focused on Amazon, but of mm-hmm. course, you know, the most popular question we get from customers is 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 effectively, um, you know, can I do this for Shopify or WooCommerce or another marketplace like Walmart or whatever it may be? So uh, yeah, I mean, this is um, you know, our plan for the sort of short term is is is, is certainly. Uh, just focus on Amazon. There's so much to do just on Amazon. Um, yeah. But, you know, in the future, we would certainly look to sort of expand beyond that because, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, we talk very much about understanding your customers and what they're doing. Um, a big part of that is, is you know, what are they doing across channels, obviously, right? And it's not, mm-hmm. the customer's universe isn't just Amazon as much as an Amazon seller would like to think that. So, uh, you know, trying to get the full picture is is, you know, part of the bigger vision, absolutely. Yeah, got it. Um, what types of challenges uh, do you face uh, when you work with such a huge platform like Amazon? <laughs> yeah, so the, the good and the bad of it, I guess, you can look at it both ways. But Amazon, because it is so huge, is a very siloed organization, right? You know, the advertising team, um, you know, doesn't perhaps speak to as, as, uh, as frequently to, to the retail team as much as, as people would like. Um, and then, of course, you've got the API team, the backend team, right? Yeah. And, and you know, they're very different to like what's 
um, you know, going to be in the user interface in Seller Central, for instance. And so, um, yeah, trying to trying to navigate those sorts of challenges is, um, is 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 pretty tough, particularly from a data point of view, where you know you can get a data field that's called the same things, but are two completely different things in reality, just because it comes from two different teams. So trying to piece all of that together, I think, is very different. Uh, it's very difficult. What is also quite um, you know difficult is trying to get visibility into ultimately the roadmap, right? And we want to be building something that um, is durable. And so, you know, Amazon is investing a hell of a lot in the APIs, which is fantastic, but we want to make sure that we're sufficiently differentiated. And so trying to get visibility into some sort of roadmap is, is and continues to be a challenge. I mean, Amazon will give you a little bit of visibility of what's in the very near-term roadmap. But, you know, when you're trying to build an enduring company that's going to be around for a long time with lots of customers, um, you know, you, you, it's important, you know, we're obviously completely reliant on Amazon's APIs to build the business for the moment. Um, and so that roadmap piece is, is obviously um, pretty critical to us. And so, you know, that's, that's a risk, that's a challenge. Um, and, you, you know, you need to sort of build it, I guess, have relationships with multiple people within Amazon, yeah. different teams, triangulate certain things, seeing, see if there's a consistent message coming through, you know, all those sort of things. So, yeah, I think those are some of the big challenges working with, you know, one of the biggest companies in the world, really. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm a, I, I know the pain a bit because we are also connected to Amazon with ThingSpider uh, and right. um, yeah. as, as a middleware. <laughs> and yeah, if you need the support, that's <laughs> taking some time. Yeah, <laughs> it can. I mean, up, up to 90 days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's, that's very true in some cases. Um, you, yeah. And so, so how do you, how do you build the platform? How do you de-risk that? Uh, for, you know, yeah. it's quite, quite, um, important engineering challenges to think about as well and how you want to operate and build software and getting into the weeds of all the sort of software side of things. But um, yeah, it's, it's look, we're, we're in a very good position. We spent a long time building, uh, you know, integrating with all the APIs, trying to understand what each of them means, asking all the sort of clarifying questions from various teams, you know, within Amazon, trying to get a handle on all that stuff. And I think we're really, really well positioned, pretty uniquely Perfect. positioned, frankly. Um, you know, so much of our value proposition is about um, joining the ad side with the retail side. And so if we've put in a lot of work and we know how hard it is, then I think it's it's probably quite difficult for others to do that as well. Or at yeah, least it will take yeah. quite a long time. What are the common mistakes that Amazon sellers make uh, when they are trying to understand their customers? Um, yeah, so um, a typical customer doesn't have much. If you just, let's say, just relying on Seller Central, for instance, yeah. Amazon will give you some data, but really, you need to do a whole lot of work to make sense of it, to take any actions, and be sure of what you're actually seeing. And so, you know, I think one of the most common mistakes is, is literally just understanding what that data point means. And it's not because it's the seller's fault. Honestly, it's mostly because Amazon hasn't clarified what it means and how it's calculated. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of the times they would have inconsistent definitions of what a repeat order means. It could be in this user, in this part of the brand analytics. Uh, it's calculated every quarter, but in Amazon's DSP, it's calculated every year. And if you're making kind of very big decisions off the back of, gosh, my repeat order rate is, you know, one of my main sort of targets or KPIs for this quarter, um, and you've got sort of inconsistent data like that, I think it's, it's, it's quite difficult to, to do that. So like data reliability, um, and, and really understanding, um, you know, what, what the data means and, and is how comprehensive is it? I think is, is one of the very big, um, very big challenges. When when you calculate this once a year, um, actually it cannot be correct because you um, you have the seasons like winter, summer um, yeah. that that are 
absolutely influencing the products that are purchased. Sure. No? And that's, yeah, for that's sure. Of so course, yeah. It depends on what you're selling, but seasonality will always have a, a pretty big impact on pretty a lot impact. of products. Um, and yeah, I mean, one of the things we do is measure is measure the purchase cadence, right? Like how long does it take, for, let's say, from the first to the second purchase or the second to the third purchase? Mm -hmm. And that gives you a good feel. Is it every... Some products are more obvious than others. If I'm selling supplements and, if, and it's a 30-day supply of supplements, pretty much somebody's buying, you know, 29 days, 28 days, 30 days, whatever it is. Uh, but a lot of products, it's, you know, you're, you're, you're very much guessing, right? Um, beauty yeah. products and things like that, just, you know, hand cream or, you know, something like that is, is kind of difficult to say. And if you don't have a handle on the purchase cadence, then, um, you know, it, it affects things like how, how to sequence your remarketing campaigns, um, when to, you know, send, um, additional offers or, you know, do the sort of sponsored display, ASIN targeting. I mean, it affects a lot of things not understanding that purchase cadence. And so, yeah, there's some very big pieces in our view that are, are missing from, um, currently from from Amazon's um, data and Amazon's UI. Mm -hmm. Now, you say that you're using an AI, so a buzzword in our times. <laughs> uh, yes, absolutely. So. Um, an AI and you help merchants and agencies to optimize their sales on Amazon. But in what way do you tell this to the um to the or uh, to, to your customers so how yeah, yeah. can i when when i'm in your software and and um <laughs> browsing around my do you pop up and say hey sell these red shoes now or <laughs> no i mean for us it's um yeah i mean just i guess maybe let me um address the point about ai in general first uh absolutely a buzzword it's one of those things you probably ask 10 people and get 10 different answers um, oh, yeah <laughs> and i think honestly a lot of problems a lot of problems can be solved without AI, right? There's kind of an overemphasis, over-indexing on, let's just try solve this using AI, as opposed to, actually, there's a pretty decent analytics solution. You could maybe even do it in Excel or something like that. Um, and it gets you, you know, 80%, 90% of where you need to be. And to get that extra 10% requires a huge amount of effort on the AI side. And it's, in most cases, not worth it, right? So the first question we ask ourselves is, is this even best solved using AI, right? As opposed to some other solution that might be slightly less accurate, but like, you know, much quicker um, and, and, you know, et cetera. So um, assuming it is, then yeah, the AI is going to make some sort of prediction about something in the future, right? And so um, it could be recommendations. It could be recommendations about, hey, um, you know, these two products have been bought together, you know, X many times in the past. Here's a variation of one of them. You should probably look at try bundling those things together, right? It could be something like that. Um, it could be something around what sort of keywords you should be targeting, right? There's a similarity sort of thing that an AI can do and say, well, these historically, these sorts of things have worked uh, really well in the past. Here's a, a new um, uh, you know, keyword that's sort of rising in, in, in volume. Um, it's pretty similar to the historical ones that have worked. You know, you should, you should go test it out. So it's more subtle things than, you know, than like, Here's some massive decision that might, you know, make or break your business based on AI, right? It's more, you know, much lower level, lower risk things. Um, you know, our, my experience with it is um, one of the issues with these with these algorithms is is um, it's very difficult to explain how they arrive at a particular decision, and a lot of people do not like that black box ultimately, and, and rightly so. I don't, I don't blame uh, anyone for that. And so when things are going well, that's okay. But when things aren't going well and you can't explain it. Um, that's a big problem. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, you know, we're absolutely. very careful. Yeah. So we're very careful on how we use the AI and, you know, not, as I say, trying to, the worst thing you could possibly do is, 
you know, make some recommendation, extreme recommendation that has a big impact on the business. It goes wrong and you can't explain it, right? Like that mm-hmm. is the worst, worst possible thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I can imagine that. <laughs> um, now, beside this analytics part, yeah, you're also offering an Amazon ad management product. Huh? Yeah. Um, what's the difference between good and great ads on Amazon? Yeah, that's a, it's a wide open question. I guess for us, the, um, the ad management piece very much relies on the software anyway, right? And so mm-hmm. again, our starting point is let's understand the customer. What is the person buying? If they buy again, is it product A, then product A? Is it product A, then product B? Is it 60 days? Is it 90 days between the purchases? How profitable is that customer? So if, if we have all of that sort of information, that allows us to do pretty um, differentiated and powerful things on the advertising side. Because for instance, you might have thought that your break-even ROAS or your break-even ACOS, I don't know, is 20%. And we're saying, hey, did you know that somebody on average buys three times from you? Your break-even ACOS isn't 20%, it's closer to 60% if you factor in all the future purchases. Um, and so, you know, that's the angle, the differentiated angle we have on when we're managing the ads is that we have all that data to make those decisions. Now, what makes, um, I guess, a good or versus a bad ad? Um, ultimately, it still comes down to the products, right? I mean, you know, you can talk about as the most sophisticated, you know, algorithms and data and the most beautiful pictures and everything else. But if the, if the product sucks, the product sucks, right? Like there's just no, there's no substitute for that. So it's always about the product ultimately. And it's always about, you know, are you connecting with um, the people that you want to buy your products, right? And, and, yeah. and, 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 you know, that manifests in multiple ways. That's manifests in sort of text and what you call your product and, you know, what does your heading look like? What does your text look like? That's obviously the, the, the pictures and the visual elements as well. Um, so, you know, th- those two things, those two fundamentals, I think were just, I mean, the uh, most Amazon, things. Amazon ads have a specific targeting. You cannot do that much in targeting Correct. for the ads. It, on yeah? the PPC, on the, well, it's changing the a little PPC bit. Side, so, yeah? yeah. So on the PPC side, Amazon's main sort of bread and butter product, the sponsored products. Yeah. You can't do much with that, right? It's, it takes the heading. It takes the, the sort of, you know, the main picture and, and uses that. But for a lot of Amazon's other products, PPC and the DSP and, and the display side, you actually have the ability now to have custom creatives, right? You mm-hmm. can have custom images. And I think there, um, there's a lot of experimentation. They're obviously introducing videos as well. And so there are a lot more opportunities to, um, yeah, to really, you know, carve out what your brand is really about to connect with your audience um, and sell good products. So, you know, I think as, as part of a bigger strategy, I think from Amazon, particularly in the last year, they've released a lot of um, their oh, yeah. dashboards and lot, sort of products of to help things. with the brand yeah. building, right? Mm-hmm. So, it's, so we would say it's a good, which is really good, great. It's really because great. It it's a good mi- first step. Yeah. We, we would say it's not enough, but uh, yeah. it's a good first step, right? <laughs> can you can you do more with the API when when you create those ads uh, than you can do in the backend? Generally, not. Um, yeah. They kind of aim for parity. Sometimes yeah. the uh, I would say Amazon advertising, the user interface is probably maybe a little bit ahead of where the API is, but they're not, you know, they're, they're investing a lot in that. And really, yeah. uh, you know, I might um, credit, credit where it's due. I mean, they, they, when Amazon does decide to invest in something on the API side, uh, they, you know, they can roll out new things very quickly. There's no doubt about that. So mm. I would say it's generally um, parity between them, but of course, it's just the, the programmatic aspect, the automation aspect that yeah. really, really helps, right? And um, especially if, if you're using, some of the feedback data to help make certain decisions, then you know you can only do that with 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 APIs and having the right data. Yeah, 
Got it. Um, let's talk a bit about uh, pricing. You offer two um, pricing yeah. plans, Essential and All In. Yes. Love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, can you tell us a bit more about your pricing plans? How do you yeah. measure the pricing? What, 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 what comes together? Yeah, so this this pricing that you're referring to, this is for the analytics tool, the customer analytics yeah. tool. It's not for the ad management piece. Um, but you're right. I mean, this is this is an interesting topic, and pricing itself is an extremely uh, tough topic to talk about, oh, yes. right? So, you know, we debated a lot around what is the pricing strategy for this. We're a fairly new product on the market, so you know, the temptation is, you know, on the one hand, you could offer a freemium version. Okay, let's just get this out there. A very popular strategy with. Um, you know, a lot of the Amazon tools in the space would have some sort of free version and then and then convert. Um, you know, we decided to not go. We have a 14 day trial, but it's not. You know, we pay $77 afterwards. Um, and so, yeah, figuring out. I mean, really, what it comes down to is speaking to your early adopter customers and figuring out what you know is the most. What is the value of the product for them? What is mm -hmm. the most valuable thing for them? Um, and then. You know, the pricing itself is kind of a product of those sort of discussions. I'd say as well, the pricing is something that a lot of companies decide on a price, more art than science, and then just sort of leave it alone for a year or two, right? Where actually it's something, especially early on in the life of the product, you need to uh, revisit very quickly, right? I'd say sort of every three to six months, we would be revisiting our pricing. But when I say pricing, it's not just um, the same set of features do we change the price? It's actually, you know, we're releasing new features all the time as well. And so, you know, how do we package or group certain features together, put a price on that, and then, you know, have different plans, basically, right? And so that's morphing more into a traditional software as a service or SaaS type tool where, um, yeah, you can choose, pick and choose what suits you, what sort of features, et cetera. But, you know, at the end of the day, in the beginning, it's definitely more art than science. You've got to put a stake in the ground um, and, uh, and, and iterate from there. I mean, your essential plan, actually, in my opinion, for um, a really good analytics and possibility to grow, seventy-seven dollars per month is really cheap. Yeah. Um, what well, the other hand, the all-in plan um, goes from five hundred dollars per month. Yeah. And what I can read here on the pricing is personalized growth plan. So yes. you sit together. It's it's not only software as a service. It is also Correct. that you can take your user by the hand. And yeah. help them to identify exactly. those. So that's the critical steps. difference. Absolutely, yeah. the critical difference is there. You will get more data, more charts, and more information in in, in the all-in plan. Absolutely, but I think the critical difference is you're going to get a monthly call with our growth specialists who yeah. are going to understand your business and apply this data uh, and how to move the needle for your business. And I think that's that's the very big difference between uh, between the two plans. And you know, we see we see loads of businesses. Um, you know, every day we we. We know what good looks like. When somebody comes in with a customer retention rate, let's say of, I don't know, 10%, um, we know what the average is. We know what good looks like. And we know what it means um, to go from average to good or go from bad to good. Um, and we've seen those success stories. And so, you know, the benchmarking um, is, is a critical aspect of this as well. Um, and, and just seeing, um, you know, as I say, I'm using customer retention as an example. But, um, you know, we did a study that said if you increase your customer retention rate, so typically um, typically, from the first to the second purchase on Amazon, that's about a 15 to 20% retention rate, right? I have 1,000 people buy, about 150 buy twice. Um, and what we saw is that if you can just increase that by literally 1%, so let's say 15 goes to 16%, 160 people buy instead of 150, 
your profit, your actual profitability goes up 7%. That's a 7x multiplier at that point because it's not just the 10 customers you're getting. Wow. Yeah. It's, that the, it's the probability of some of those extra 10 customers buying a third and a fourth and a fifth time all the way on, right? And so um, if you model that out, it makes a material difference to your business. And so, yes, the growth plan is, you know, trying to understand what is the, what are the priorities in your business? Are you um, very just growth focused? It's about market share, you know, those sorts of things. Are you very profitability focused? And just, you know, going uh, according to to your goals and, and figuring out how to use these metrics to translate to success. Mm -hmm. Cool. Now, you are also... A funded company, so this is cool. You have uh, an investor. You yes, uh, you raised last year, I think. Yes, two point six million. This, uh, last year and this year, yeah, and this year, <laughs> cool. Yeah, yeah, congrats. That's cool. Thank you. Thank um, you. How how do you utilize these investments? I mean, how do you get the customers? What goes into development? Something like this. Huh? Yeah. So. So, so is the question is how do what do we do with the money basically? Yeah, well, how how do you? Uh, I mean, it's uh, it's yeah. a lot of money. Yeah, and yes, I, I always sure. ask this this question uh, is it is a nice one for 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 other startups to see. Yeah, there really goes a lot of money into different directions. So I don't I don't yeah. want to know your business plan. Don't get me wrong. But no, no, sure, I'm happy to talk about it. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, um, in, in some ways, it's helpful to kind of work backwards. Is figure out where do you want to be in you know eighteen months time. What sort of numbers do you need to be hitting? And so if you, the first choice you need to make is, you know, is this business suitable for external funding, right? Do I need somebody else to put in money? And if you think it is, because you need to invest a lot in the beginning, um, then there are different types of funders there, right? There's a venture capital route uh, to go down. There's, you know, in, in individual sort of investors, there's strategic investors. You can get other companies to invest in you, all that sort of thing. Um, going down the specific venture capital routes is, um, you know, there's a specific, I guess, expectations that, that, that come with that, right? Is that if, if a VC is going to put money into a business, they need a particular return, um, you know, to their investors. And so, you, you know, you can, you, you can quickly model out where you need to be at in order for this to be interesting to a venture capital investor, right? You need to be, and, and, you know, ultimately, you know, for us, let's say we want to go raise another round of money next year, where do we need to be? What sort of, you know, how much traction do we need? How many customers do we need? What's the revenue need to be like? Um, what's the churn rates, right? Like how, what's the customer retention rate, our own customer retention rate, right? We talk about customer retention for our customers, but actually what's Nozzle's own customer retention rate? All of these metrics become really, really important. Um, and so if you go down that path, then you can say, okay, I need to raise this amount of money, which I think will, let's say, give me 18 months to hit this sort of milestone, these sort of metrics. And that allows me to then go raise whatever it is, 10 million, 15, 20, I don't know, whatever it may be. Um, and that's the kind of way that we, we would do that. Now, being a SaaS company, a technology company, um, it typically means you need to invest a lot upfront in the technology, right? And really what that means is, is people. You yeah. need to hire... You know, engineers and data scientists and um, you know some operations people and salespeople, whatever it is, to get to you to those to those milestones. And so, yeah, by far, any early stage sort of SaaS company, yeah, vast majority, I'd say that the biggest cost is going to be um, individuals. That's just yeah. what it is. It's a yeah. big upfront investment that will hopefully pay off uh, further down the line. Yeah, absolutely. So this is the typical, especially in SaaS companies. Yeah, this is the typical hockey stock. Um, yes, uh, that you often see in this exactly, and it can go, it can go down, 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 exactly, <laughs> and it goes up. Yeah, this is very interesting. But um, startups, yeah, it's it's hard because you need 
as a SaaS application, you, you need that point. You need that yeah. point where it kicks off, where you have enough traction exactly. that everyone is talking about exactly your tool in your niche. Yeah? Yes, yes. How, how do you, that niche is actually, it's it's difficult yeah? because yeah. Amazon doesn't have a marketplace where they present those partners yeah? <laughs> exactly. that you can work with. So Agreed. you are Agreed. actually alone. Yeah. 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 How do you get your users? Where do you find them? Yeah, great question. Um, and, and, and a tough one. I mean, I, I would say, um, you know, the, the product strategy is, at least in the beginning, is we want to create something that is very, very valuable to a subset of users, right? We don't want to create something in the beginning that's applicable to all six, seven million sellers, right? Because you're going to, you're not going to create value for, for everyone, right? It's, it's going to be a very mediocre product. So the idea is to say, for a subset of customers, a particular type of customer, let's create something really valuable, uh, very sticky, uh, that they can't get anywhere else. Yeah. And so we landed on the metrics around profit per customer or customer lifetime value. We landed on customer acquisition cost. How much do I have to pay in ad spend to acquire a new brand customer? Now, this isn't applicable to all Amazon sellers, right? You need to be able to um, sell a, a product that has repeat orders. Right, like that's the qualifier. And also, if you're just starting out on Amazon, like it's you know it's day one, this product is not going to be applicable to you either. So we're ex so we're not trying to build everything to be everything to everyone. We're trying to provide um, for a particular type of seller a really really valuable metric they can't get anywhere else, and use that in the beginning as a wedge, as a way to get in and to create the stickiness, create the community, create the evangelism for the product, referrals, all that sort of stuff, um, and then you know branch out into other use cases that will involve people that perhaps don't have to uh, have a high repeat order rate for for their products. But the, the, the point is to start small and very, very focused um, to provide a lot of value to create that initial base of people that really like what you're doing um, and then expand from there. And so once you've narrowed the problem down to, you know, instead of trying to aim, you know, 20,000 messages because there's six you know, million different sellers out there. Um, you become very focused on who you're trying to acquire in the beginning, and and and, yeah. and then going from there. And I think that's really the strategy to do that. Um, I would say the the Amazon community, though the seller community, is 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 great, right? I mean, if yeah. if you are genuine in what you're doing and you are providing, you know, a lot a lot of value um, and a lot of insights, then you know people are very open to have conversations um, and to you know maybe even promote or evangelize for, for your stuff or trial your certain things. Um, so, so, you know, I think that, that's a really um, very encouraging community. And so that's how we've gone about, uh, you know, launching and, and building, building a customer base. Yeah, and that's really interesting because you said it's a niche, uh, a niche to be just an Amazon product and even yeah. a smaller niche uh, yeah. to be just relevant for those who have... Um, yeah, products that 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 have some kind of um, yeah. repeating. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, but we have. Uh, but, but that's great. Yeah. But at the end of the enough. day, at the end of the day, if we you know, when we're pitching to investors or you know somebody asks me what's the bigger picture for Nozzle, you know we're, we're not a we're not a you know lifetime value and a, and, and a CAC customer acquisition cost uh, tool, right? We're much more than that. Where as you asked me right in the beginning, uh, you know we're aiming to go beyond Amazon. Right, uh, and so the the vision itself is like much much bigger, but yep. it's just when you're starting how you your go to market ultimately yeah. how you start and grow, you know, requires that 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 focus in the beginning. Absolutely, fully agree. Um, yeah, last question for the day. It was really a pleasure. Absolutely, I love that. It's it's um, 
it's so interesting to see how other start startups are growing and yeah. and that the niches they are in and yes. how that that is handled. So it's very interesting. Um, tell tell me a bit about um um yeah about uh, automation in your soft uh, in in your company, for instance. Uh, do you automate a lot? Do you need automations? Operations. Yeah, yeah that, um, the, sh the short answer is yes. The slightly longer answer is, you know, we're a technology company, we're a software yeah. company. So, you know, automation, you know, you ask an engineer and they say, I have to, if I have to do something twice, <laughs> I'm going to automate it, right? Like that, yes, that's just either. sort of the, sort of the mindset. But, but, um, there's a, you know, there's more sort of subtlety to that, which is when you're automating something, who, who are you benefiting? Are you benefiting the customer or, or are you benefiting, um, you know, your inter, your internal operations team? Yeah, and so you've got to be very careful what you choose to optimize first. So you know there might there might be certain processes that right in the beginning take up a lot of time manually behind the scenes for nozzle, and so automating that is nice, but the customer doesn't care about that, right? It doesn't really affect the customer experience, and so you've got to be very careful what you prioritize to uh, what yeah what you prioritize in terms of automation, but also you know to to flip it around if you just keep prioritizing the customer all the time. Um, it's going to look terrible and you can't scale the company because you're going to have to hire more people all the time, right? And so it's always yeah. this fine balance around how you treat autom automation. Um, who are you actually benefiting? You know, what are the priorities of the company, et cetera, et cetera. Cool. Um, last question, really last question. Now. <laughs> as many as you like, don't worry about yeah. that. <laughs> who has taught you the most about e-commerce in your career? Uh, yeah, who's, that's an interesting one. Um, I mean, I think there's kind of no, there's no substitute for almost doing it yourself in a way, like trying to sell your own things. I think that's just, uh, you know, I wasn't particularly great or anything at it, but I think that's learning the hard way, rolling up your sleeves and doing it. I think there's kind of no no substitute for that. Um, I mean, I guess in terms of, um, I guess, I, you know, I, I, other people, there's probably other sellers, right? I mean, I could easily just go and say, um, you know, Jeff Bezos or Toby Lutka from, from, you know, Shopify and all those sorts of people. But ultimately, when you share your stories with other sellers, um, good and bad stories, and probably you learn more from the bad stories or the bad outcomes than, than the good outcomes, right? And I think just being a part of the, some of the seller groups where people go through their actual experiences, learning that way, I think for me has just been, um, you know, the, the, the most helpful, frankly. Cool. Um, when you know so much about products, <laughs> I just need to ask it. Yeah. Um, did did you, did it ever come to your mind and say, "Hey, I put my own products on on Amazon, so I get a I, I get some some producer in, in China or or uh, some Asia?" Yeah, so and... Are you talking um, as part of Nozzle or yeah. just in my history? Uh, uh, yeah, Nozzle. Uh, uh, no, Nozzle is never going to be interested not in Nozzle, anymore. but but ah. you you know the product. You you yeah. know what 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 how, what people are purchasing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah? Yeah, 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 you know that exactly. You can easily go there and <laughs> pick those goods, put it on Amazon, get yeah. rich. I mean that's. Uh, I mean, the short answer is 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 absolutely not. Um, I think firstly it would sort of compromise, you know, Nozzle's um, vision and and how we operate. And secondly, it's more than a full time job trying to do, you know, Nozzle and you know have two young kids and everything else. I, there's absolutely no ways I have any bandwidth for that sort of stuff as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, interesting part. Okay, uh, Rail, thank you so much for your time. It was really a pleasure. Um, good luck with Nuzzle. Thank and, you. And uh, yeah, let's get the party started. It's been great. Thank Merry you so Christmas. much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that's it for this episode of the EcomOps Podcast. 
If you enjoyed listening and would like us to find and interview more e-commerce operations experts, please search for EcomOps Podcast in your favorite podcast listening app and then subscribe, rate, and review. Until next time. 